This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You are listening to Over and Back's Basketball Mysteries of the 1970s. Today's mystery is, has anyone carried a great team like Kareem did? Welcome to Over and Back. I am Jason with me as usual is Rich, and we are going to talk about the 1970s uh, Milwaukee Bucks and specifically how much of an impact Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had on carrying that great team and whether anyone has done has carried the weight of a great team like Kareem did. Yeah, and of course, uh, you'll get into that here in a little bit, but I mean, the team made a, a vast improvement, for, you know, adding Kareem to the fold, of course, uh, in the second year, they ended up winning the NBA championship, just continued to just rise in, in terms of wins. Um, spearheaded, you know, almost <laughs> entirely by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, one of the best players of all time going in there. But uh, for the purposes of this question, I kind of wanted to look at, you know, has a great team. So you said, you know, has any has anyone carried a great team like Kareem did? So to do this, I looked at teams with uh, 10 plus uh, simple rating system, which is on basketball reference. If you want to look it up uh, to see what it kind of use, but we'll use it a lot here. But go to basketball reference if you're not quite sure what it is or you want to know a little bit more about it. Uh, so I looked at teams that had 10 plus SRS all time. Um, there's not that many. Um, I also picked out there, there's a lot of teams that did in consecutive years like last year's Warriors and this year's Warriors did it and like the Bucks uh, this year and then the next year did it and then you know a, a few different of the Bulls teams uh, the title teams what I did is I basically anytime that they did it in consecutive years I just kept the highest one so we can get kind of an idea because for the most part I mean those teams are kind of the same thing I mean, Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen were on both you know you know there's no need to really look at both of them it's the same sort of dynamic yeah uh, each time so to get you an idea the 71 bucks uh, Kareem accounted for 27 percent of their total points 30% of their team, uh, the team's total rebounds. I uh, played 40 minutes per game, and his 22.3 win shares, which is just an astronomical number, uh, was 10 more than his closest teammate, which was Oscar Robertson. So you look at that. Definitely, you know, almost 30% of their total points, 30% of the rebounds, and, and 22.3 win shares. It's just incredible <laughs> numbers. Uh, the 96 Bulls, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, accounted for 29% of their team's uh, total points. Uh, he played 37 minutes per game, uh, and his, tw- uh, his win shares, which were 20.4, they uh, were about eight over uh, his next closest teammate who was Scottie Pippen so as we can see you know he accounted for more of their total points but his win shares were about two under Kareem and similar to that you know Scottie Pippen was eight as opposed to uh, Oscar Robinson who was 10 away from Kareem 
they're the 72 Lakers. Um, they're a team that had, you know, 10 plus SRS, but they're really hard um, to put this team into contention for the question that we're asking because it was very much a team led by, you know, two or three guys. You have Weston, Wilt, and, you know, Gail Goodrich. You know, yeah, Gail Goodrich. I mean, there's just too many guys. I mean, they're a team that's well known despite those guys, uh, but despite those stars, they're well known as a team that kind of did it uh, with multiple guys. So I kind of threw them out here. They don't really work. Uh, the 2016 Warriors, um, yes, not a team that won the title, but this prior team, or, or this year's team, rather. Uh, they're a big three, but they're very much led by Steph Curry. I mean, Steph Curry is what kind of makes that whole thing go. Uh, he accounted for 25% of his team's total points, uh, and his 17.9 win shares were only six above the next closest, which is Draymond Green at 11. So again, we see still Kareem, the farthest distance in win shares between him and, and the second-best player. Uh, 2016 Spurs, surprisingly a team that pops up here a lot that people will, I think, historically forget how great this team was because they just weren't in the NBA Finals or whatnot, but uh, Kawhi Leonard, his 13.7 win shares were only about two above the next closest teammate, LaMarcus Aldridge. So I kind of take them completely out of there. They're, again, a team that was kind of led by a bunch of different people, uh, which is kind of the Spurs way a lot of times. Uh, And then the last team that we had is the 92 Bulls. Um, They're much different than the 96 Bulls in a lot of ways. Uh, Jordan accounts for uh, 27 of its team's uh, total points, but his 17.7 win shares are only three above his next closest teammate, and you're probably thinking it's Scottie Pippen, but nope, it is Horace Grant. Yeah, wow, that's that's little known fact that Horace Grant is the second, and that '92 Bulls team is like I would almost count that as one of like, of course you had the you know the '72 and '10 team, but that '92 Bulls team is awesome. Like they are so good and and, and just at everything. That's when they really kind of got it with, with that entire offense and defense just working out real well. And a lot of it is that Horace Grant is the second best player uh, per win shares on that team. Which if you watch Horace Grant, you kind of you forget how great that guy was and how much he fit in that system. But yeah, surprise that he was the second uh, best teammate on that team as opposed to Scottie Pippen. So uh, when you look at that, you know, there's other ways we're going to look at it, but it might be, I mean, Kareem being 10 more than his closest teammate, 10 win shares more than his closest teammate. When we're talking about some guys, you know, Kawhi Leonard has 13 win shares this year alone. And, and, and Wilt almost had that above the next closest player. So I, yeah, I, I would say there's a pretty decent chance that he is your, 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 your answer for that question. Yeah. I mean, I, I, he, certainly he's yeah uh, there, there you know you, you would look at maybe like wilt in um with the 67 um sixers although that was a very well-rounded team too you know you had chet walker and um billy cunningham and all those guys you know how greer i mean so there there's you know another two other top 50 all-time players there and a guy who's definitely you know very close to that level as well so um you know the the bucks do have oscar robertson um and, and bob dandridge but um you know, oscar is 32 at this point and dan which is, is very good but not quite at that level so um you, you mean really honestly i you could make an argument that they uh, that kareem was um you know like he actually became they relied even more on him as the years went by and as robertson got older and as their depth kind of went whittled away and that's kind of part of the reason why you know even though they had such great um you know, the 72 team that lost to the Lakers in the playoffs is like the, you know, a top five all-time SRS team and 73 and 74 very strong teams as well um but you know one of the reasons why they couldn't you know get past is they just didn't quite have enough kareem and, and he was doing so much more I mean, bob ryan talked about um on a previous show you know just how extraordinary kareem was to you know in that series and to be able to take the celtics to uh seven games despite you know the the lack of depth and the injuries that the uh, bucks were were dealt with it was just absolutely incredible absolutely um 
so you know just um i want to talk a little bit about some of the players who um were on the team some of the key players who were on the uh, 71 team and, and who lasted kind of through uh some of them lasted through the entire dynasty some of them uh, not so much but uh oscar robertson as we mentioned um he was still very good, um, averaging 19.4 points per game, 8.2 assists, and 5.7 rebounds and 49% shooting. So he had a big drop in points per game from the year before when he still played for Cincinnati, but obviously still very good. He would start to decline some in 72 and even more so in the next couple of years, kind of becoming like an average player by you know the 74 season, his final year. Uh, interestingly enough, I, I did some research, and according to Tom Nasalki, who was the Larry Costello, the his first assistant coach for that championship season, the Bucks actually talked to Detroit about acquiring Dave Bing but then it was you know Robertson who they, they ended up getting but I, that would be interesting you know what if they're being not as great of a player as uh, Robertson historically but Bing was um, much, much younger at that point and right you maybe could get a more a few more years out of this sort of franchise and dynasty or whatever than you got with Oscar yeah. so that, that's very yeah interesting I, for sure. I, mean, I, I would guess it probably worked out better the way they did it but it's still interesting kind of what if uh, Bob Dandridge who was a second year small forward known as a Greyhound was a very good scorer incredible pressure defense he would be a four-time all-star would win two championships and play in four finals in the 70s two with the bucks and two with the um bullets at the end of the decade uh john mclaughlin who was a six-year shooting guard a great shooter he uh had settled into uh, milwaukee after bouncing around a little bit would play there for the rest of his career and is now their tv announcer um greg smith who was uh a third year power forward who was undersized like 6'5 but was an incredible rebounder um, despite that he actually like a lot of positional versatility he even played a little point guard later in his career which is pretty incredible to think about uh, Kareem loved him and was upset at, when he was traded after the season felt like the team never really quite recovered from losing him uh, another guy who only lasted for a year was Bob Boozer Bullet Bob who was close to the end of his career um, was a forward uh, he had played with Oscar in Cincinnati he had been an all-star and um, it just was a really good Good, you know, was a stout rebounder, you know, tough player, um, provided, you know, some some toughness and leadership off the bench and um, was another guy who they kind of got rid of maybe a little before they needed to, even though he was toward the end of the year. Maybe he could they could have stretched him, you know, gotten got another couple years out of him and, you know, and 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 added to that. Um Lucius Allen, who was a point guard who played with Kareem at UCLA and also would do so with the Lakers uh, later. Unfortunately, untimely injuries to him would um, would hurt his teams in 74 and 77 in 74 he he slipped on a warm-up jacket uh just before the uh, finals and ended up you know injuring his knee and was out and then he had another knee injury in 77 that kept him out of the uh, playoffs where they you know had been very competitive against the blazers in the regular season but were swept by them in the playoffs um the uh, other key guys were uh, dick cunningham who was a third-year center who was nicknamed the cement mixer and uh, McLeod McElroy, who was a seven-tier small forward very much a journeyman near the end of his career and um Robertson talked about it at a uh, NBA.com profile, talked about how, you know, the Bucks did something really foolish. They they traded uh, Greg Smith, Bob Boozer, and Dick Cunningham. You have people who really did not understand what a team concept means. You win a championship and make a trade of any key ball player, and it's the kiss of death. Now, we, we all know that Oscar is sort of a complainer, so, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe he's... You know, maybe, maybe these guys were not necessarily the, um, you know, end-all, be-all there, but, you know, given that they were, you know... the they definitely had a chance to be a, a, a dynasty and you know part of it was that they ran against you know historically great lakers team and part of it was you know there's they, they kind of slipped in some chances 73 they lost to a much worse warriors team 74 you know they were a better regular season team than the celtics although with their injuries the celtics may have been the better team you know actually at that point um 
But and then Kareem, you know, left after 75. Um, uh, so, you know, there's a lot of what ifs with the Bucks, even though, like I said, they, they had one of the uh, great teams in NBA history. In fact, there's an SI.com profile after that finals, you know, debating, calling them the greatest team in, in NBA history and debating how they would have uh, faced off against the, um, you know, some of the great Celtics and uh, Minneapolis Lakers, you know, previous dynasty teams. So interesting how they were be- being thought of even during that time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we are going to we're doing something a little different with this episode. We're going to um, have some some previously aired footage from our Kareem in the 1970s um, episode talking about the Bucks specifically since we already broke that down pretty thoroughly there. We didn't want to repeat uh, all that information in a new podcast. So we're giving you some of the new stuff here. You can uh, a- after the break, we'll uh, we'll go into that. If you just wanted to hear the entire uh, Kareem in the 1970s episode with everything about his uh, career in the 1970s, we'll have a link to this episode episode in the mm-hmm. show notes where you can also just uh, go listen there if you don't want to um, bother with just listening to a part of it but we think you know either way you want to do it we think is good so just uh, uh stick around um follow us on twitter at over and back nba facebook at over and back nba uh give us a rating on uh itunes and uh stitcher or wherever you listen to us and uh keep letting us know what you think so uh so uh on with the show Before we get to the rest of the show, I want to tell you guys about Fast Break Breakfast. If you watch League Pass every night but aren't listening to Fast Break Breakfast, you are missing out. It's what happens when you get two musicians and a comic who are overeducated, underemployed, but share an obsession about the NBA, 90s movies, and conspiracy theories. So make sure you subscribe to Fast Break Breakfast, a podcast for serious NBA fans that is incredibly not serious. And now we are joined in progress as the ABA is trying to woo Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with a million dollar check. He has the choice between the NBA and the ABA. Um, the ABA is definitely willing to kind of um, <laughs> he, uh, ensure that he will be able to play with the New York Nets if he decides to leave the. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if the Net, I don't know if the Nets necessarily had the first pick or if they were just willing to be like, eh, yeah, you can play with the Nets. It's fine. We're willing to do it. Where we do you want to go? Because <laughs> that was, where that was like, like the yeah. third year for the ABA, I think, or maybe the right. fourth season for the ABA. Right when and, and getting him would have obviously been. A huge coup um and basically you know he and his advisors come up with a plan where like okay we'll each team gets one offer to you know, but by this time they've done the coin flip in um uh, between the Suns and the bucks who, who had the same record um the year before the bucks won that um coin flip to get the first pick um and so at this point, he says to the Bucks and Nets, "Okay, we'll only accept one offer from each team." Uh, there's an article sort of describing it where, um, and, and Kareem also talks about it in his um, in his his first book, um, where um, you know he kind of talks about like the you know the the Bucks and the NBA make a good offer, and then the Nets uh, make you know, kind of a surprise, and the ABA makes surprisingly disappointing offer. And then eventually like the Nets call back. It's like, no, 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 this, that wasn't our bid. This is our bid. And it's <laughs> higher than the NBA's bid. But at that time he's, he's like, well, I don't want to go back on my word. I feel like I'd be a hypocrite for doing that. So it's too late there. There's thing. And then there's another story that talk about that one. 
probably know it's one of the most endearing stories that in loose balls that terry pluto's book about um so they went all out the aba had this big idea of we're gonna have george mikan who was the commissioner at the time he's gonna show up there and he has this quote mythical one million dollar check and that was the the big offer here here's this check we got him you know kareem's coming to the aba or lou alcinder's coming to the aba the 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 story and I and I don't know. Yeah, exactly I mean, I feel not. like the story. I've read it slightly differently in different <laughs> places, so I, I don't. Think it's I'm gonna right. go with it's true. I mean, that, that's the the ABA. Like pretty much, if it's as ridiculous as possible, it's probably true because it's the ABA. Like like only the things where you're like that can't be real, and it's like well, I don't know. It's the like and, and the ABA is one of those weird ones too. It's almost like the Negro Leagues in that sense, where like stories get passed down, and because they get passed down so many times, they just kind of become you know, true because so many people have just sort of said it and, and, and guys say it. So it's whatever. So essentially George Mikan has this $1 million check. Apparently he just never gives it <laughs> to Wilson or never talks about it. Um, it's there's always, yeah. it stays in his pocket. There's a, there's stories. I mean, Bill Simmons writes, he either got too nervous or forgot, or there, there's like, and, and Pluto just mentions Pluto just kind of just says like, Mikan's just an idiot and just, it's a fun story nonetheless. So essentially that the ABA probably could have gotten him if George Mikan had gotten a check out of his pocket, which just stayed in his pocket for some reason. It was in his, his coat pocket, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I said, like his, his suit jacket or something like my, now Mikan's not even mentioned in Kareem's book. So yeah, that's, that's a, like, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like, like it's only like Pluto mentions it a lot. Simmons probably grabs it from Pluto, but I, it's a, it's, it's, it's a great story. Nonetheless. Yeah. I hope it's true. Right. Cause it's just so perfect. Yeah. Like it's so ABA that they would be like, Oh shit. <laughs> like we forgot to give the check. Right. Like, yeah. Like that, that's just perfect for the ABA. It's just a microcosm of, of, of that league. But yeah. So cream could have been an ABA, but George Mikan forgot the check. So, and you know, we wondered kind of what, like we got a question on Twitter, kind of wondering like, okay, what would have happened if, you know, the Suns had gotten the coin flip and, you know, you kind of look at the Suns in, um, in 1970, they were, you know, they had Gail Goodrich, who was still pretty young. Um, yes. They had, they, they actually got Connie Hawkins that year, who was 27, you know, who had been barred from the uh, NBA because of a gambling scandal uh, early on in his career. Um, you know, they had Dick Van Arsdale, they had Paul Silas, so they had, definitely had some talent. Um, and then the the year afterward, the the year um, you know, they would be 48 and 34, so they were, you know, they were definitely a a team that was on the rise even without Kareem. So you, we would imagine as it's hard to know, you know, like if financially they'd have been able to get Hawkins, if they didn't get, um, if they didn't get Kareem, but, um, sure. but still, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's sort of an interesting, what if, of course, because they were so close and there's this, um, uh, in one of, you know, in one of the many video clips you watch, you see like a, um, Jerry Colangelo on the phone for a young Jerry Colangelo, of course, you know, on the phone and then getting the news that the Bucks put in the coin flip and you just the, the look on his face of just like, oh, man, come on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, there's so much luck that, of course, goes into so many choices that, you know, um, that lead to whether you're going to be a championship team or merely a good team. And this is, a, you know, one of the biggest ones. I mean, you know, uh, one of the greatest players ever uh, doesn't go to your team and it just changes your fortunes forever. I mean, the Suns actually did, you know, they, they had a pretty decent run here and there in the seventies, including a finals appearance, but um, obviously it would have been very different if they'd have had, um, you know, Kareem there. So, 
it's funny. I, I, I was reading an article, and I don't know if I, uh, I linked it here or you know, kind of a show notes here, but I read an article uh, not too long ago that, that talks about Colangelo and the coin flip, and he just like – he beat himself up for years because he called heads, and it was tails or whatever, and he's just like, oh, I should have known it was tails. Like, it's just <laughs> like he like – he, and this is in like 2009 that they still they, – they wrote it, and he was still just like, ah, you know. Yeah. Even to this day, I just wish I had said tails or whatever, you know, because it, it – I mean that would have been a franchise-changing thing. Oh, I, absolutely. I mean because A, it's Kareem, but then B, you look at that team, and you look at the talent of that team, and, and – and, you know, you kind of brought it up here, and I'm glad you brought up that point, is I never really looked at the team of everybody on that team is like 25, 26, 27, and they're, they're a decent team. I mean, you even have like a, a Paul Silas when he's, you know, 25. You have, you know, as you mentioned, Gail Goodrich, who's, who's still super young. Connie Hawkins, who's still super young. I mean, so many, you know, good young talent. And we're talking about Hall of Famer level talents in their early – I mean, you can only imagine yeah. adding Kareem to that either, team. I mean, just yeah, been, either just before their prime or right in their prime, yeah. Of course, what if? That's always – Yeah, and, and I mean, they still even won 50-game um, – you know, they, they were around – they were hovered around that sort of 50-game period through most of the early 70s, too. Right, so you exactly. think, you know, <laughs> it's, not too, it's not too hard to add Kareem and, and say, ah, you might get a few extra yeah, wins you with, might, that, you know, know, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, as your center, but, you know – <laughs> a few more, it's, it's maybe possible. a few, <laughs> one or two. It's possible, you know. yes. So, so um, he actually plays uh, games finally for the Bucks, and uh, they are a uh, young, exciting team. And uh, you know, I, I think one point that should be kind of made here, in a lot of these SI articles, there's talk of like the idea of basketball as the game of the seventies. And, you know, definitely Alcindor is like the guy who's supposed to carry this game into the 70s, carry this, you know, decade. He's the, he's the next great player. I mean, you know, it's kind of some of the same hype that LeBron had when he came, you know, into the league or or what have you. I mean, as, you know, um, maybe Shaq, too, you know, just some of these guys who are just like absolutely like going to be these transcendent players. I mean, Jordan, like. I mean, people thought he would be really great, but I don't. He didn't necessarily have like this expectation when he came in. It just took a few, it took a couple of years before people realized, right. like, oh my god, you know. Yeah, he wasn't going to be a cultural transformation like some of these other dudes. Right, exactly. Were, so yeah. I mean, so um, it's just interesting to go in with that pressure already, just being so big and so high. But he met it. I mean, um, and as Larry Costello, who was the Bucks coach, you know, said, like, he's he's ahead of any rookie I ever saw. I played with Chamberlain, and when he wanted to, he could do everything. Shoot pass off, play defense, rebound, anything you wanted. But most of the time he was stationary. Russell was a great player, but he was never really a good shot. This kid is a combination. So um, and that's after his first exhibition game. Um, <laughs> so in the 69-70 uh, season, they they finish with 56 wins. They fall in the second round to the Knicks, but they're, you know, an up-and-coming team. As we mentioned, the franchise, only, this is only this, the franchise's second season. Um, they had four rookies and four second-year players on that team. You know, the, basically the core players that season are John McLaughlin, um, uh, Bob Dandridge, and then also Flynn Robinson and Greg Smith, uh, neither of whom who would stay all that long, while McLaughlin and Dandridge were there for, you know, the duration of Kareem's career and even, you know, a bit after – or uh, career with the Bucks and even afterwards. So um, uh, that, that was funny. You look at the record of that team too and you sort of sense that that – it was a young team, but that they sort of got 
to get, I mean, if you look at the kind of, they, they're at one point, um, looking here, December 10th, they were 16 and 13. So you kind of get an idea of, yeah, they're getting there. And then they just reel off like the, the last not half of the season, you know, they lose only another 10 games or whatever. So you can kind of sense and see what leads into the, you know, the future years here is that it's sort of a weird team. You know, Kareem's kind of getting his, his, his feet wet here. It's, it's still, and then they kind of get it and they don't really look back for a while. Yeah. I mean, the next year they are, um, they're 66 and uh, 16. Uh, they um, they win the NBA title, uh, set the a NBA record at the time with a 20 game win streak. Basically, one of the most uh, dominant regular season and uh, playoff teams ever. Um, we should also talk about it a little bit before this, though. Uh, one part I just skipped over was uh, there's a good another good essay article kind of talking about like you know just as far as his stardom and his impact. Um, with uh, with six games to go in the regular season, um, the gate receipts were more than twice the amount for the entire previous season. They were one point two million. <laughs> and uh, as teammate describes him as he may be the first of the seven foot backcourt men, he can dribble and make moves that no big man ever saw before. Um, he can bring the ball down and handle it and give you fakes and no one of his eyes could ever do that. And he talks about learning from like a guys uh, like Nate Thurman, who's the guy who gave him sort of some trouble when he played uh, and Chamberlain who sat out for most of the season, but they played a bit in the exhibition. Um, and then also from watching Russell, it, it is sort of like one of those things that it would have been, it just, if Russell just stuck around one season more, you know, and then you would have been able to see him and Kareem play, yeah. you know, that would, that just kind of would have been that'd just be a cool thing to have video of you can only imagine it and maybe that's for the better but still it's just like one like like oh you know that would just would have been kind of a nice um extra thing sure and 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 watching these videos i mean we've been talking about a lot about his dribble you know that's not you know something that you you initially think of but i mean you watch some of these videos and and one of the ones on youtube that i saw you see him get a rebound and it's just so weird. And, and as you mentioned, you know, we sort of assume these days it's like, oh, Anthony Davis can get a rebound and go down the floor or whatever. He's so unique or whatever. And then you see Wilt just or not Wilt, uh, Kareem, rather, he, he gets a rebound and just goes down the floor and he's beating guys to the floor. And it's just like, geez, like the guy's like, you know, seven, whatever he is, seven foot to seven, three, whatever you want to say. And he's just like, there's guys like trying to strip the ball from him and he's just beating them all down. He just goes and dunks it. And it's just like, wow, <laughs> you know, especially in that era, uh, in that time where you just you, you don't see guys that big doing what he did it's just it's, it's fascinating absolutely so they um they end up trading for oscar robertson before the 71 season they also add bob boozer and lucius allen who played with kareem at ucla so those three guys plus alcinder mclaughlin smith and dandridge are basically their core players um for that season as we mentioned one of the dominant regular seasons of um all time and playoffs they um ended up uh, sweeping in the uh, the finals of the Baltimore Bulls, who were kind of overmatched um, that year. They only lost um, two games otherwise to the Warriors and the uh, Lakers, and that was, of course, a... Um, that was the that was Will Chamberlain uh, Lakers also still Elgin Baylor and Jerry West, mm-hmm. um, you know, who had been to the finals the year before and, um, you know, were one of the great teams of the late 60s and early 70s, even though they did to win a championship. Um, so, you know, very impressive. They were they were hoping to have a uh, rematch against the uh, Knicks because this was their this was the first year the Bucks were out west the in Kareem's first season they were in the east um, so I- instead of playing the Knicks in the in you know 
earlier in the playoffs. The only chance to play the Knicks was the um, was the finals, but the uh, Bullets managed to uh, pull off an upset, but sort of exhausted themselves in that series. Uh, the the Bullets had a uh, you know an injury to one of their their key players, but um, uh, it was a Gus Johnson, I believe, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they were led by you know Wes Wes Unseld, Earl Monroe as well, uh, Jack Marin. Um, so they you know they had a good team, but were not. Um, but uh, you know just couldn't quite meet uh, you know like one of the most dominant teams of all time. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at, at, at uh, Kareem's stats, you know, in, in that series, and they're just ridiculous. I mean, per game in the, in the NBA Finals, 27 points, 18 rebounds, and, and you know, nearly three assists. So so not bad. <laughs> pretty pretty good. He, he, he shot a measly 60% from the yeah, field, though. So right. he, it, needs to, uh, he needs to work on that. But other than that, he was, he was pretty good. Uh, so absolutely. another thing, too, that we didn't uh, talk about, you know, you know, you look at, uh, you know, a guy like Wilt, who, you know, his Achilles heel was always the free throw shooting. Well, with Kareem, I mean, in the early years, he had a little bit of struggles. But, I mean, in this season, you know, he shoots, you know, or in, in the finals, rather, he shoots 70 six percent from the free throw line it just never was that big of an issue for him i mean he he sort of got it from the beginning and 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 you look at him shoot free throws too in, in old videos and it's very smooth and fluid and it, it's obvious that's not the achilles heel of this guy like it was you know so much for wilt and you know was for for you know even big men you know today you know andre drummond's and the dwight howards of the world the andre jordan's um you know shaquille o'neal obviously but yeah for him not not really an issue so Yes. Um, so they were the second team to ever uh, sweep the finals. Uh, Boston did in 59. There's a sort of an interesting um, SI article from uh, that series talking about like the fact that uh, Oscar Robertson and Lou Cinder are so, you know, um, as players and personalities, they're very much like they're very businesslike. They attack their uh, game with precision and coolness, just sort of like it. They're, you know, they kind of have a similar mentality when they uh, play. Also, kind of talking about um, um, Larry Costello, how they, um, you know, they practice really hard. They're, the, I'll, I'll read the quote the buck practices are the hardest, most precisely mapped out in the league, which more like, much more like college workouts than those run by other professional teams. He also mentions that they have a, uh, a system. They're one of few um, coaches with a full-time assistant coach who only has minor scouting responsibilities. You know, assistant coaches are still sort of a new idea in the NBA, which is, yeah. you know, kind of amazing. Apparently the Bucks were the first team to uh, average over 50% in shooting percentage for a season. Um, and, uh, you know, they rated, um, uh, you know, Getting shots close to the basket was a very important uh, part of uh, what they did. Absolutely, and they also rank uh, number one. They have a simple rating system. Uh, Basketball Reference has that, and they're, they're the number one team of all time uh, at eleven point nine one. They're ahead of the ninety five, ninety six Bulls and the seventy one, seventy two Lakers. And that, if you're not aware, it, it, it takes into account uh, the point differential and strength of schedule. And, and there, you can really look if you go back and look at that season and look at like the game logs or whatever. I mean, the, the point differential is ridiculous. I mean, that team was just like. Nobody was was t- close to them. I mean, they, they lost games here and there, but the ones they won were just like dominant, dominant wins. Yeah. Um, so, um, so the day after they won the championship, May first, nineteen seventy one, he uh, publicly announced uh, uh, changing his name to Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Uh, 
71-72 season, and um, they are 63 and 19. Um, they're not quite as good, but there's you know they have a 1070 SRS, which is among the top 10 or so in NBA history, I believe. Um, you know, so it's well up there and still being among the uh, greatest teams. But it's interesting. They had a lot of roster turnover. Um, and one player that they um, that they ended up trading, who was a pretty important player in the uh, championship season, was Greg Smith, who's also very close to um, uh, was very close to Kareem, uh, you know, one of his best friends on the team. And he Kareem wrote in his book that he just felt like, you know, that was really disruptive to um, to their chemistry, you know, um, that uh, and it kind of they traded him for Curtis Perry, who was. I guess nominally they went for they were looking for a power forward and Greg Smith was a little bit undersized for that position but he was but he was like yeah but he really he rebounded like heck you know it was just kind of like one of those things that sort of starts you know the um like okay you know there's a few divisions here you know kind of kind of things going on sure. you know but you know um they um now you know they're 63 and 19 but the um, they end up losing in the Western Conference Finals to the 69 and 13 Lakers, who of course are you know at that time had the you know greatest regular season record of all time, um, and you know one of the greatest sequel season teams of all time. That was the year that um, that Bill Sharman took over for the Lakers, and Jerry White kind of installed a system for them for the first time. Um, made Jerry. West and more of a point guard. They got Gail Goodrich back and he filled in a shooting guard, you know, so they were just like a, you know, all the pieces kind of fell in. Everyone kind of knew their role and they were, you know, just uh, at least for that season better than the Bucks. But the Bucks did end up winning their uh, ending their 33 game winning streak. And it's kind of a fa- I don't know how much of it you were able to kind of watch that game, but it was sort of a fascinating game to watch. Yeah, it was. No, I, I watched uh, I, not as much as I would have liked. I'm actually going to go back after this and, and, and watch the rest of it. But no, I, I watched little bits and pieces and little clips. But it's a very, very interesting game. And you could tell that like from the players' demeanors and everything. I mean, it, you watch a lot of older and, and without context, it's kind of hard. But knowing the context of this game and knowing you know what was on the line, you could tell that everybody is really just amped up and the crowd's amped up. Like everybody, I mean, I, I, I can only imagine being there live and watching that. You know, it, it, it had to be fascinating. Yeah, it's- I, I remember something similar. I mean, I went to a Bulls game when – um. Uh, the Miami Heat were on their uh, I forgot what they ended up uh, 27 yeah I was at I I forgot exactly which one it was the the Bulls were at and it was just like every possession was like you know game seven of the NBA finals because that was you know in the regular season that was as close as you were going to get to like uh, a a huge moment everybody wanted to knock them off or whatever and I can't imagine this especially when you have you know because the Bulls were just kind of you know they were what they were whereas you have you know a Korean you just have these two titans going up against one another I I can't imagine you know how great it was to be there live but no you can tell from the video it's, it's a fascinating game yeah and um you, you basically you know there's seeing the the battle between wilton chamber wilton kareem is fascinating and also between jerry west and oscar robertson is is really fascinating you know there's some there's some good play there i mean it's a, it's a really it's a fun game to watch you know um they have a great contrast those two teams i mean in terms of like matchups and that sort of stuff where you, you a lot of times you don't uh it's gonna be hard pressed to have you know two of the best big men ever going up against each other. And then also two of the best guards, you know what I mean? Like it's very rare that, that a team will have two of those guys on there, you know, at a time. So the, the, the contrast is very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. 
in uh, and in the playoffs they they beat the Warriors again, but then they uh, and they meet the Lakers again, but they end up falling in uh, six games to the to the Lakers. But I mean, again, they're a sixty nine win team. It's kind of hard to um, you know it, it's it's sort of hard to to say. Well, you know, even though these Bucks are one of the you know an, another just basically two of the greatest uh, teams of all time, you know at least individual teams in a season you know battling up against each other it's hard to fault the second best team for falling in that playoff series but you know so um so we move on to the uh the well i one thing we want to mention is a couple of things from 72 is that that uh draft they and they actually draft julius irving they, yeah. they had the uh, draft rights name. to Dr. J. <laughs> he'd already played a season in the ABA. Yeah, he'd already played a season. He played a season with the Virginia Squires. He was trying to get out of that contract, and he even actually played some practice and played some exhibition games with the Hawks with Pete Maravich. And there's um, stuff in Julius Irving's book. There's a, there's a um, excerpt of it on Deadspin that has more of the story. So, but you know, he was challenged in court by the Squires, and was even you know challenged by, of course, the Bucks who had his draft rights. So, um, so that's kind of a complex situation. But I just imagine, like, if they had been able to get Dr. J and Adam to that team. I mean, that basically, like, there's your dynasty for the rest of the 70s. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I mean, who knows if Kareem still makes that. I mean, Kareem made that choice for a lot of personal reasons. And, you know, um, although he did say that, like, later on, he said that one reason for it was that he was kind of frustrated with the direction of the team. So if they had Dr. Yeah. J, that's probably – you know, not going to be an issue now, you know, who knows how Dr. J's game evolves in that environment. I mean, I'm sure he's still awesome, but, um, you know, but is it the same, you know, does he have the same role? Is he able to kind of still do a lot of the same stuff? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure it would have been fine, but there's still, of course, you know, you, you don't know how we, how things unfold in that situation, but still. It's, it's not totally fair just to extrapolate, you know, what Dr. J became and put that on the box. But, yeah, you'd have to imagine at least, at least be somewhat close to what we sort of got with him. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean, you know, maybe he's not scoring, you know, 30 plus a game. But, yeah, I mean, he certainly still just... boosts them in terms of athleticism. <clears> and, and, you know, I, I think, you know, you, with that talent, you make it work, you know. Sure. Certainly. Yes. He also makes his film debut in a fight scene <laughs> when the, the 1972 Bruce Lee film game of death uh did you did you watch this fight scene you know i did i i think i've seen it before but i did not re-watch it for the podcast i uh, um it's uh yeah it's it's interesting yeah. <laughs> he doesn't like i don't know why they had to use uh cream in it though well i mean it just meant anybody just for, I, mean, I guess just yeah, for fun just i guess for, you know yeah yeah i mean he they had met when um cream was at ucla i believe bruce lee was his martial arts teacher so um so, you know, they had, they had that relationship and Kareem gets to be in the movie. So that's I wish Bruce Lee was my martial arts teacher. Yes, that would be nice. Yeah, he's pretty, he's a pretty good teacher. He's yeah. a good guy to learn from, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean. not too bad. Um, so, so this is sort of, um, you know, so we move on to the uh, the 73 season. Uh, they, as their third consecutive 60 60 plus win. Well, they win 60 games, but you know, more than 60 or more wins in a season. Um, they are still, uh, you know, amazing. Like every year in the last couple of years, they've been either first or second in offense and defense. This year, they slipped to fifth in de- in offense. They're second in defense, so they're still really great. But they, there is a noticeable tiny slippage there, mm-hmm. and uh, they end up um, again uh, meeting the uh, Warriors in the uh, playoffs for the third consecutive 
of year. But this year, the Warriors actually upset them. The Warriors the are fighting berries. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they're only like 47 and 35. The um, the Warriors are uh, they have Nate Thurman, who, again, as we mentioned, always kind of gave Kareem trouble and a returning um, Rick Barry and, and Kareem, for whatever reason, during this series, um, just did not play well, um, shot way below his normal average. Um, yeah, his true shooting percentage was uh, you know, 447. So, Oof. yeah. So, yeah. Just, and he only averaged, yeah, only averaged 22 points per game, or 22.8 points per game, yeah. which is, his, I mean, his PR four, was, I mean, good, but his PR was Korean, down. No. Yeah, well, yeah, for whatever reason, just, yeah, that the, for the most part, he was great in the playoffs, but that year, he, it was definitely a noticeable um, slippage. So, I mean, there, there's no reason that he should have, you know, one point per game more than, than Oscar Robertson. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? I mean, that, I thought Oscar time. wasn't very good, but right. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's sort of a straight strange uh, thing to um, have happened when he out, you know, he uh, outscored, uh, he had 30 points during the season, Oscar 15 during the season. So, right. Yeah. Uh, and Oscar was that, 34. That's, that's how you kind of assume the breakdown would go. Not 22, 21. I mean, that's yeah, very strange. Exactly. But. The Bucks yeah, so. won 14 straight games to end the season to equal the Lakers record. Uh, and the NBA wanted to do a tie breaking game, but the uh, players association said no. So Milwaukee ended up uh, winning a coin flip uh, to get the, uh, get the seed. And Milwaukee and their coins. Yeah, they do well in the coin flip. The uh, 73 and 74 season, they uh, are only 59 and 23. So they end that, that streak of 60 win seasons, but they're uh, first in offensive rating, second in defensive rating. Um, they run through the uh, Lakers and Bulls in the playoffs. They finally do not play the Warriors in the uh, playoffs. So they do play the Lakers again, and um, they, uh, they they beat the, those teams pretty handily. But um, then uh, they fall to the uh, Celtics in uh, seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Kareem hits a big sky hook in Game Six, like you know, in two over after two overtimes to win Game Six in Boston, but they they fall in Game Seven. Now they do. Um, Lucius Allen is injured during the postseason, um, so they they kind of their guard play is. Um, uh, less because of that is one of the reasons why they um, do, and it was kind of interesting because the. Um, uh, they, they kind of talk about uh, there's an, another SI great artist article sort of comparing Kareem and Dave Cowens and Cowens is sort of tr- a little bit, you know, he's undersized of course compared to Kareem, but he can, um, you know, shoot a bit from the outside, forcing Kareem to, you know, go away from the paint and defend, uh, you know, outside a little bit, but he doesn't want to stray too far because of course his ability to prevent, you know, other people from getting the paint is one reason why he's so valuable. So, but they talk about how, you know, they, um, these Celtics kind of play the old, like really fast paced Celtics um, game where other teams and not specifically the Bucks, but a lot of other teams, particularly the Knicks, started kind of playing more conservative walk the ball up the floor strategy. And, um, you know, um, that, that is one thing uh, real quick before we get sure. it, it, when you watch these 70s, you know, tapes and, and videos, you, you notice just how quick the game is and how, uh, you know, you watch today's basketball and you don't realize how much they value possessions and, and not wanting turnovers were in the 70s. Like and, and it, it's really you watch the 80s, too, and it's a lot of the same way when you watch like kind of the Showtime Lakers or whatever. It's really just about getting up the court as fast as humanly possible, and getting a shot up as quick. So we, we talk about, you know, how, how amazing it was to have, you know, the, 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 the Phoenix Suns or we talked about it in our Steve Nash podcast, how we sort of he took the 
NBA out of the by going quick or whatever. And you watch the 70s and it's like the same thing. I mean, these dudes are just like flying, especially these Bucks teams. You just, they're flying down the court and then taking an 18 footer and it's off and they're just running back down and just like throwing the ball anywhere. And like you watch it, it almost looks like a high school, like a current high school game the way they're doing it. I mean, they just they, they, people fall into traps. They just start running and turnovers. And it's just funny to see sometimes, uh, you know, how 70s basketball was sort of played and how how much different it is these days and how more methodical about, you know, possessions and ball handling and, 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 and turnovers they are today than they were, you know, then. But still fascinating to see the, the, the difference between the two. Absolutely. Uh, two teams here. And there's kind of an interesting note about the series is that um, it says, you know, the Bucks have won um, – 248 games in the last four years with a strictly ordinary supporting cast. Only the absent Allen, Lucius Allen, and forward Bob Dandridge are above average. Average being about all that can be said for Robertson since he turned 35. So that's kind of an interesting perception mm-hmm. of you know the, of the Bucks themselves. I mean, at this point, you know, John McLaughlin is toward the um, the end of his career. Um, you know, they still have Curtis Perry, who's only 25 and, and is pretty good. But um, but definitely, you know, if you look like in terms of um, of, of PER, I mean, uh, basically, yeah. The, I mean, actually, Oscar had only 14.2 PER yeah. his last season. Um, so basically, yeah, I mean, Kareem, Lucius, Allen, Bob Danbridge and um, Mickey Davis, who played about a thousand minutes as a 15.5 PER, even not the PER is perfect you know description but for shorthand you know john mclaughlin is only 12 you know um and as far as heavy minutes guys so oscar curse perry and, and all them you know they're they're below average in terms in, in those terms so you know i mean there's at least some weight to um to, to what they're saying there you know yes. um and um you know, they were definitely at this point, you know, they still had a SRS of uh, 7.61, which is still really great, um, but is not. No, they're no longer historically great. You know, this is sort of the an odd team to, you know, of all the teams, the, the two teams before that didn't make the finals. This is sort of an odd team to have made it, even though they were still pretty good. And I, and I do believe they they had one. I don't know if they had the best record in the um double check whether they had the best record in the league or um yes they did have the best record in the league and, and another thing that's sort of interesting here is like the the previous couple of years there's a big split you know there's like these gaudy win totals in the bucks mostly responsible for that that lakers team obviously too and the celtics i believe the previous season had it were a 68 win team even though they didn't win the finals but um Starting this year and going through most of the rest of the 70s, like I don't – there are few if any 60-win teams during that time, but there's almost none. But the the, the worst records you know, are like mid-20s. So there's, yeah. it, it, there's an extreme amount of parity <laughs> over these next few seasons, which – which is really interesting, and, and part of it, you know, um, I think it's amped dump once they the ABA and the NBA merge, but it even happened before then, and it's hard to exactly know why. I mean, expansion has at least have something to do with it. This is the only time that's really happened, at least since the very early days of the NBA. Yeah, more where you got that much, and it, it, it's kind of famous for that. And, and we, we've talked about it a little bit, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see if anybody had done really extensive work on the, you know what sort of created paradigm. I mean, the easy answer would be yeah, probably expansion happened that way, and it just could have been the dispersal of talent. Sometimes it just sort of happens that way, that, even without right. yeah. without you know any real factors happening where you just have a few. I mean, it could be a lack of superstars. I mean, you could honestly say that could be it. I, I don't know if that's necessarily it, but there could be that. There could just be you know superstars you know somehow just being on different teams it, it it's very interesting yeah it, it's 
I, I'd be very and, interested and to see someone a lot of sort of big, And there's a lot of big playoff upsets in the decade as well. Uh, you know. Yeah, and, that, and that's huge. And, and you wonder if that sort of played into, you know, is, is that the kind of causal or is that, you know, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah, I'd, li- I'd like to see someone do a little bit more work and do a little bit more statistical work on, on exactly why there was so much parity in that era. But there could, there's a number of different factors. But, yeah, I don't know of any one that's really stronger than the other. Yeah. So so Oscar retires and there's sort of there's an article in the Milwaukee Journal from right before the season beginning where you ask, will Oscar be missed? Uh, Kareem says, well, you know, maybe not as much as people think because we'll have more flexibility and speed. They there's also a lot of hype about him playing Bill Walton for the first time. You know, Walton, of course, being the great UCLA star after Kareem and, you know, the first them finally playing in the pros, in fact. Um, their first game, exhibition game, um, <laughs> drew a sellout clou- crowd of 13,000 in Dayton, Ohio, of all places. <laughs> I don't know why they'd be playing – because usually, like – It's nowhere near any of their teams. Right, yeah. So. I mean, you know, obviously it's not on Green common. Bay. It's not Green Bay or yeah, it's not like – It's not – You know, you Claire yeah, whatever or whatever teams – whatever city is near Portland. Yeah, or even right. like, okay, in – California or yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah it, Los Angeles, yeah, right? UCLA, it, at the UCLA's campus, <laughs> it's just it's very strange. Yeah, yeah, right. So, um, but um, good for Dayton. Yeah, yeah. And this is the night before Kareem actually breaks his hand, um, where and he does that during an exhibition game with um, uh, during against the Celtics, um, Don Nelson scratches his eyeball, and he's had several already of times where his eye has been injured, and then he punched the backboard post in frustration and, and broke his hand, broke his right hand. So, um, so yeah, it was definitely like a um, not a good start to the season. No, not and basically, yeah, they they play terrible without Cream. They start they start one in thirteen. They end up being three and thirteen once Cream comes back. But they're not that much better with him. I mean, they're thirty five and thirty one. They end up thirty eight and forty four on the season. Basically, the you know the only good players le- left are Dandridge. You know, McLaughlin's okay, but as we mentioned, already aging. And then they trade uh, Lucius Allen for uh, Jim Price to the Lakers, and Jim Price ends up being pretty good for them. He, He's an all-star that season, but other than that, they're they're kind of young, but they just don't, for whatever reason, you know, they're just um, not that great. Kareem, um, you know, the the totals are down a bit because he only plays sixty-five um, games that season. Um, the shooting percentage is down a bit too. It's it's uh, yeah five thirteen, which is other than his final season, is his career low. Wow, yeah. uh, I mean it's not terrible, but it's just he, you know he's still for Kareem. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously you know, context. Yeah, second worst, right? Um, you know, and um, so he he's still really good, but definitely it's a, it's a down season for him. Um, and um, um, yeah, I mean, and then you know there's a SI article um, where he ret- when he returns from his broken hand. Um, and uh, it, it makes note here where apparently Oscar was going to come back, but the Bucks tried to rewrite his contract, basically wanted to take a no-cut clause out of the contract so they could put him on the expansion list if there is one. And then Robinson decided – he said, Robertson elected instead – Instead, to expand to CBS as a color analyst. So, um, <laughs> and uh, and then they talk about you know he comes back with goggles. They they mention the goggles. They're like 
shatterproof plexiglass. Um, the first pair weren't wide enough, and like I've seen a picture of them, and they're like 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 they're black. And then they have like these like big like circles. They're not like the classic ones that he ends up wearing for most of the rest of his career. Like <laughs> they're really big. They almost look like, like scuba gear, you know? Yeah, they're very odd. Yeah, yeah. He he, uh, he would have done well in, in today's modern. I mean, the tech, you look at the goggles now and they're just so much better. Where his are just like that. Looks like they would like fog up the ones he had. And I yeah. did that. I was thinking. I always feel like they did every every. I always remember seeing him. You kind of take them off and mess with them and, and, and play with them and stuff but yeah that's uh <laughs> yeah <sighs> and there's sort of the goggles yeah it, it always i always loved it i mean it, are you are you a bigger non-goggle or goggle kareem fan well i don't know i mean uh i mean they're both, need to answer this they're now. both pretty great. i don't know this. i i need i no. need some time to ponder unacceptable <laughs> right now i'll give you an answer by the end of the show okay um so uh, a couple of the notes. Um, there's a story of Kareem uh, forgetting to pack his goggles and like the, I, the one of the equipment – one of the trainers has to like go to his apartment and they can't – and they're – and um, and he can't find them and he has to like call and they're like playing the game and he like calls to like the, the floor and you know is, is talking to somebody on the floor. Um, it's like we're in the middle of the game now and he's like, you know, I can't find him and they finally eventually find him in Kareem's car and he – you know, they bring them back <laughs> and then – and then there's also like uh, frustration, you know, with, by Bob Dandridge with uh, Costello, who, you know, who is also, you know, he's been there with the Bucks since 69, which is like Kareem was there. And then he's, you know, in there's a quote before then from Costello saying, oh, my system's easy. It's not that bad. And then he's like, yeah, what seems very easy to him is very difficult for a lot of players, um, you know, it, it, it's just very confusing new, to new players, and um, and they have so many new guys who's coming in. There's so many, you know, the basic offense doesn't change, but there's so many options, so it is confusing people. So the, it's just an illustration of like, hey, the coach and the team aren't necessarily on the same page. And I, you know, you've kind of I, I found where like with teams that have been together for quite a long time, you know, coach and player, it just like there does seem to be like eventually that frustration, that stuff does boil over, especially when you're having a season where you're, you're playing such a, such a disappointing level. So, yeah. and, and that happens with, I mean, you really look at the, the, the coaches in NBA history and, and it's very telling. Uh, I don't know if we, we discussed this on a podcast or, or, or not, but you look at the, the tenures and it's like Sloan and Popovich and there's a few others, but really even the best coaches, they just, at some point, they just, it, it, guys need to change, teams need to change, franchise need to change. I mean, just, it's not like you would assume where these guys are there for, you know, I mean, being there for 10 years is more, is not really the, 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 the common thing. I mean, it's more the, you know, the, the six to seven years is about where most of these guys end up going. And, and there's a few here and there in history, but yeah, it's very rare that, that guys really stick around forever. It's just, it just doesn't work. I mean, when you go between transitions of, of franchises and players or whatever, it just, it always seems to get a little odd. And, and we've seen that even with the best, uh, best coaches. I mean, Popovich is about the only one who's really just because really, I mean, it seems they haven't transitioned much and, and, and Sloan, obviously, but there was a lot of, I mean, we saw Sloan. I mean, Sloan probably could have still be here, but, you know, we, the transition from a, a Malone and Stockton to, you know, Darren Williams or whatever was too much for him to kind of work out either. So it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's funny because Larry Costello, who has led, you know, who, who had f- five plus seasons of 50 plus wins and, you know, led one of the greatest teams of all time, you know, has two more or two and a half for like two and a quarter more years with the Bucks after this and then has one season with the Bulls not even a full season with the Bulls and then his NBA coaching career is done he you know he coached right. college for a long time I believe I I think Niagara University where he went to college but um you know other than that you know I mean it, it's 
you know, like a, a guy who would think, oh, you know, yeah, he had a few more options in college and, and you know, showed some, in, you know, initiative and in, in some, um, you know, inventiveness as a coach. You know, yeah, I mean, his his career ended, you know, not, not after not that much longer. So it just that sort of adds to your point, I think. Yeah, it, it, it's it's always NBA coaching is weird, and, and it's just a grind too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Some of these guys, man, they just like like you see. There's certain guys, that, and I was talking with a buddy the other day, and and he's talking about how Steve Kerr has lost so much weight, and and then you know you look at NBA coaches, and they either do two things: they either the first few years that they start coaching, or they get back into the coaching ranks, they either lose like 20 pounds in like two weeks or whatever. Like like Doug Collins coaching and Doug Collins like announcer are like two different humans because like you can tell the guy just doesn't eat; he's probably just watching tape all day, or they, or they get really fat because they just like garbage food while they're watching tape or whatever but it's always funny that like nba coaches just like it, it's a ter- i mean it's it, I, i'm sure it's a fascinating job but man it's it's just such a grind Absolutely. on a day-to-day basis i mean just watching tape studying coaching traveling it's just it, it's insane nba coaching is hard you heard it here first yeah <laughs> This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.